Revelation as part of a series that we're going to be doing over the next few weeks. In Luke chapter 8, uh, you don't need to turn there, but uh, in Luke 8, if you read through your Bible, in Luke 8, there's a story of a man uh, and his encounter with Jesus Christ and his subsequent transformation through that encounter. Uh, if, uh, the story is called the, uh, the, the, um, the Demoniac of the Gadarenes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty full-on title. Sounds like something out of The Walking Dead. Um, but <laughs> it's, a sto- it's a story about a guy who, and they don't, the Bible doesn't give the details about his background or how he came to be in the position that he was when Jesus found him, but he was possessed uh, with uh, unlimited numbers of demons. His life had been destroyed. He was living out in a graveyard. He they tried to chain him up. They they tried to do things. Man had tried to fix him in different ways, and he was unable to be fixed. Uh, and and his life up until that point point uh, had been destroyed. And yet Jesus in Luke at comes Luke uh, in uh, Luke chapter eight. Jesus comes into his world and into his life. And his life is transformed. He goes from being a man with no future, no opportunities, uh, and, and nothing in his world to someone who it says in verse 38 of Luke 8, it says, Then they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. What an incredible transformation that took place in this man's life. Man, you know, different people had tried to fix him or at least even tried to contain him. They didn't try and fix him. They didn't try and change his future or his circumstances. They tried to chain him up. They, they tried to uh, keep him away from everybody else. And yet when Jesus came into his world, he actually transformed his life, not his immediate circumstance, well, his immediate circumstances as well, but also his future. And that's what Jesus does when he transforms our world. He not just transforms where we are right now, but changes our future and opens up incredible opportunities because of what he does in our world, the transforming power of God. And the Bible, over and over and again, uh, there's stories of people who encounter Jesus Christ and their life is transformed. There's a Mary uh, who we meet in Matthew 26. Mary had been a prostitute, the Bible says. And again, we don't know how her life spiraled out of control to the point where that was the way that she was surviving. That was the way she was living. But what the Bible does make clear that when she encountered Jesus Christ, he brought emotional healing and transformation to her world. In Matthew 26, we read the story as Jesus is reclining at a dinner party. She brings a alabaster jar of oil, a very, very expensive perfume, the Bible says, worth a lot of money. And here's this woman, obviously not wealthy in any way, shape or form, and yet she brings this very expensive jar and she brings it and she breaks it open and it says she pours it over the head of Jesus. Her life had been transformed and her future also transformed. We find her at the cross of Jesus Christ when he's being crucified. One of the women who gathered there, a life transformed by Jesus. 
Uh, there's a woman with the issue of blood we read about. The Bible says that she'd spent all her money trying to get fixed, trying to get healed, and she spent it all. She, she was at her last leg. She was going to die. She heard about Jesus. She went to Jesus. She said, if I can just touch the edge of his cloak, I'll be healed. She came to Jesus and she was healed. She was transformed physically. Healed, transformed, and her future had gone from one which was with no future, with her life expectancy very short and about to die, to where Jesus Christ opened up enormous and and unlimited potential, opportunity for her as she lived a life. Jesus Christ transforms people's lives. When we encounter Jesus, our life is transformed. There's a story of Zacchaeus, very wealthy businessman, tax collector. Whereas uh, Mary was emotionally healed, where the woman with the issue of blood was physically healed. I believe Zacchaeus was psychologically healed, not just spiritually healed, but through this encounter that he had with Jesus Christ, a guy whose life was preoccupied with money, preoccupied with wealth, preoccupied with gathering and collecting as much as he could, that his whole sense of value and purpose and worth was tied up in finance, encountered Jesus Christ. And it says that after that encounter, his heart was transformed. Then he says to Jesus, I will give away up to half of my possessions to the poor around me, and if I've taken anything illegally or or manipulated finances out of people, I will give back up to four times what I took. Now that's a transformation. That's a transformation of a guy whose heart and, and, and whole psychology and mentality of life was transformed. He was set free and the whole direction and purpose of his life was changed. That's what Jesus does when we encounter Jesus Christ. It's not just about coming to church, which is important, singing songs, listening to Bibles, but the power of God, Jesus Christ transforms lives. So my question to you, my question to myself here this morning is, to what extent and am I experiencing the transforming power of Jesus Christ in my life and in my circumstances? It's a good question to ask ourselves because if Christ is in our life, He isn't work transforming us. And so we've got to ask ourselves, how is my life changing? Where is the transforming power of Christ at work in my life? Where am I overcoming limitations, setbacks, uh, areas of my own heart? How am I changing? We may not be possessed by demons and living out in a graveyard somewhere like the demoniac of the Gadarenes. Um, But it's not just for people who are at extreme edges of society, in the extreme edges of life. Jesus Christ comes into every person's world and He begins to transform our life. And so we've got to ask ourselves, how are we changing? Where are we changing? And what are we doing differently today that we weren't doing yesterday? How is it changing? I want to look at a few transformations for here this morning uh, that is clear from the Scriptures, the changes that Jesus makes as He transforms our life. Number one, a transformed person When Jesus begins to transform our heart, a transformed person overlooks an offence. Proverbs 19.11 says, A man's wisdom gives him patience. 
It is to, the, it is to His glory to overlook an offence. As our heart begins to be transformed by the power of God's Holy Spirit, we find ourselves able to let go of offences. We find ourselves being able to let go of grievances. We find ourselves being able to let go of the wrongs that are done to us in life. Just living life, stuff is going to happen. If you're in any form of relationship, stuff is going to happen. And if you're married, then absolutely something's going to happen. <laughs> um, but as our heart gets transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, as Jesus does His work in our life, we find that we are able to let go of those offences. We're able to forgive. We're able to let go of things that happened in the past. Things, and you know, you talk to people at different times and, you know, still holding on to things that happened, you know, when they were really little, whether, whether it was at school, um, you know, uh, by a teacher who said something or some kind of impact that happened to us when we're small. And, and that's not to negate the power of those things that happen, words that are spoken or, or the influences of, of people who are in positions of authority or power over us when we're, uh, when we're um, open to that. But as we grow and as Christ comes into our life, it is vital that we allow His transforming power into our world, into our heart, into our life, and we find ourselves being able to let those things go, to forgive, to be healed, so that our future can be opened up. The opportunities and the, and the things that God has for us are open before us and not held back because we're unable to let go of those things of the past. A transformed person is able to overlook an offense. Proverbs 12, 16 says, fools have a short fuse and explode all too quickly. The prudent quietly shrug off insults. That's powerful. So if we're a person that's easily offended, we easily take offense, there's areas of our heart uh, that are, uh, that are, are susceptible to that, then we need to allow that power of God's Holy Spirit to come into that area. We all get annoyed at different times. Things annoy us, things happen. And at different points, depending on where we're at, you know, we're more susceptible to those things. But it's important that we allow God's Spirit to transform our heart, to bring healing and wholeness. Because when we hold on to offense, when we, when we aren't able to let go of insults, when every word that someone speaks uh, goes deeply into our heart and affects the way our, uh, we, we view ourselves, the way we view our future, then we're not going to live to our potential. We're not going to be able to take a hold of everything God's got for our life because we will be limited by those things. We will be held back. We will be held down and bound because we're unable to let those things go. We need to develop a Teflon spirit. <laughs> It's easy to say, but it's hard to do. But we, as we make decisions to allow God's Holy Spirit, and when these things happen, to go, you know, I'm not going to dwell on it. I am going to let it go. I am going to forgive them. Then we're able to move on and able to let God bring that transforming power into our life. Anybody? I won't ask you to put your hand up, but uh, <laughs> just make a mental note if that's you. <laughs> I'm going to work on that. Number two, a transformed person goes the extra mile. 
throughout the Scriptures, we find that the Spirit of Jesus Christ in the disciples and in Jesus Himself was someone that goes the extra mile. Matthew 5.41, Jesus said, If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. He's referring to a law that had been in place or put in place by the Romans in that day, whereas if a Roman soldier was traveling through a particular area, uh, they could grab anybody off the street and they could force that person to carry their pack. They would have to march a long way for different reasons in different uh, groups. So they could say to any person that was around any of the areas that they occupied, you grab my pack, you're carrying it a mile. And uh, obviously, you know, that was a grievance to a lot of people. Uh, can you imagine you're just walking down the street and someone grabs you by the scruff of the neck and goes, carry my briefcase, <laughs> or uh, it's normally a lot heavier than that, or I want you to take this and you're going to carry it, you know, 1.6 kilometres down the road. You don't know the person, you don't like the person, <laughs> and yet you're forced to do something. You can imagine how that grieved the heart and, and the whole spirit of the Jewish people were like how much they hated being forced to do this thing. And even though they would do it, otherwise they'd be in prison, you know, they would probably step it out. You know, one mile might be 350 steps or something like that. So they'd step it out. And as soon as they got to that last step, there you go, there's your pack, and walk off. And yet Jesus is saying, that's the wrong attitude to have. He's saying that when Christ comes into our life, we are a person that doesn't just do the minimum, the bare minimum, but someone that will go that extra mile, that will actually, out of their own volition, not because we like the person or like the job or like the thing, but because of something that's internal inside of us, that, that our heart, our attitude is transformed, knowing that the things that we do are not just done for the people who are the immediate recipients of what we do, but the Lord says that everything you do is done for me. And so our heart, our, our mind, whether in our homes, in our workplaces, that our attitude is not, well, you know, as soon as five o'clock comes around, bang, I'm out of there, or I'm just going to do the minimum, or, you know, I don't like my boss, so I'm not going to, I'm just going to do what I'm asked, but that we go, you know what, I'm going to be a person that has an extra mile attitude that as Jesus transforms my heart, I'm not going to just do what's expected, but I'm going to be a generous person, generous in spirit, a person that goes over, above and beyond what I'm asked for. That kind of attitude, that transformation is what gives us the opportunity to talk to people about why we do what we do. Why would you do that? And it might be doing it for someone who's, who's who's maybe um, tried to stifle your own career or hold you back from promotion or has done something negative in your world and to then go, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless that person anyway. I'm going to go over and above. I'm going to help them. I'm going to help that person look good even though in my heart I really want them to look bad. I want them to get sacked. Uh, I want to undermine them so that they look bad by their superiors but that that the, the transforming power of Jesus Christ actually comes in where, we, where our natural inclination is overrided by an inclination that comes from God's Spirit that transforms our heart where we go, you know what, I'd like to do that, but I'm not going to. 
I'm actually going to make that person look good. I'm actually going to do more than what they've asked or more than what they anticipated because of what Jesus Christ has done in my life, because of what he's done in my world. You know, uh, when we were smaller, um, Ron, my brother here, um, we'd sit around the table and if mum brought out something, whether it be a pie or something like that or sweets or whatever, we had this rule because we didn't want the other person to get more than us. So we're either going to get more, it was going to be exactly even. So we had this rule that if there was something that needed to be cut in half, uh, one person cut it and the other person got to choose the half. <laughs> so you couldn't like cut it over here and take the three quarters. And we would spend more time measuring than we would eating. We'd be like working out and you'd, if you were cutting it, you're trying to make sure and the other person didn't get more. And uh, I look back and it's, you know, it's crazy. But that's the human heart, isn't it? That's the human heart. We're so, we, we so don't want to miss out. We so don't want someone else to get more than what we get. We, we want to get our fair share. And oftentimes we go about that and that's a sim- simple case, you know, with kids, but we, we do that in more complex ways as adults. We want to make sure that we get what we deserve. We want to make sure that we get our share, whether it be at work, whether it be in different scenarios. We want our share, and so we'll go about making sure that we get our share, but the Bible makes it clear that if we are generous in spirit, if we open up our heart, that God will make sure that we get more than what we could ever get of our own volition. That if we exercise His Spirit and His nature and His character in our behaviour and trusting in Him that He's going to look after our affairs, then we're going to be better off. You know, sometimes when it comes to tithing or giving to the Lord, you know, sometimes, you know, a different... I don't think anyone here, I mean, I don't check anyway, but in the past I've spoken to people that will tithe down to the cent. Like... $250.35. $250.35. And which is good that they want to give that 10%. Uh, exactly 10%. I don't want to go over. Um, but how much better is it rather than thinking like, you know, that that's a limitation, but that as we're generous towards God, the Scriptures over and over again indicate to us that as we trust God, as we're generous towards God and towards people, as we don't think lack, as we don't think like that God's like a pie and you just get a slice, but that like he's like a river that flows, that never ends, and that we can always and are able to always get more than we need, then it transforms the way we approach life. It transforms the way we approach money. It transforms the the way and our approach towards people. We're not always trying to get our share. We're not always trying to make sure that we're not um, ripped off or that we're not um, uh, have, have our bit taken. But our trust is in God. That doesn't mean that, you, you know, that you're naive and, and don't uh, keep good accounts or anything like that. But it's what's going on in our heart, that we're open, that we're generous. A transformed person goes the extra mile when it comes to God and when it comes to people. We just do over and above. We create a reputation then. Do we have a reputation as a generous person? Do we have a reputation at work or whatever as someone that will always go the extra mile? I know, (coughs) I I don't know everybody's work scenarios, but I do know Nicole's. And um, 
and her boss is always getting different um, recognition or different things. Uh, well, she tells me she does anyway, I guess. So I'm assuming that you're telling me the truth. <laughs> but she has a reputation at work as always being willing to go the extra mile. In fact, she's got different bonuses, different um, um, adjustments to her pay because her boss has said to you, you're the, you're the only person in the team that I can always count on which is a great testament to have that no matter what's happening or what's going on, you know, if someone needs to stay back, if someone needs to come in early, Nick is always on that says, I'll do it. And because of that, she's, it's given her the opportunity to influence a lot of her team and a lot of the people that are there at work. So it makes a difference and it shows that God is doing something in our heart. How is our life changing is the question. What are we doing differently and how are we living differently now than we were before because of the influence of Christ in our life? Are we just going through the motions and we go to church and we, and we maybe read the Bible or whatever? But, you know, there's many, particularly in America, I know, uh, having spoken to different friends that are in America, there's many uh, people in America that would say they're Christians and probably in Australia as well, but it doesn't influence their life. It doesn't influence their decisions. It doesn't influence what they do Monday to Saturday. They just go to church on a Sunday. But Christ comes to transform every area of our life. Is that right? And to influence the way we live, what we do with our time, what we do with our money, what we do in our, uh, with the people in our world. And so a transformed person goes the extra mile. Uh, number three, a transformed person thinks about others before themselves. Now, that's hard to live. But 1 Corinthians 10.24 says this, I want, We want to live well, but our foremost efforts should be to help others live well. That is so different to the philosophy, the psychology, the spirit and the culture of the world, which is put yourself first. It's all about you. You get what you want. If you're not happy, then change your circumstances. If it's not working for you in your marriage, then leave because you're number one and your happiness is primary to every other thing. And so all your decisions are based around making sure that everything's working out for you. And yet the Bible says, no, if you look after others, God will look after you. If you help others get what they want, God will make sure you get what you want. It's counterintuitive, isn't it? We think, oh, we've got to go out and make it happen. And yet Philippians 2.3 says this, don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Now that takes trust in the law. That takes faith. Now that doesn't mean, again, that we don't ever do anything and that we don't ever take credit for the things that we do at, at different times. But what it's saying is there's an attitude on the inside that I don't need to push everybody out of the way and I don't need to climb over the top of every person that's around me to get to the top, that I can help others, that I can bless others and that I can put others ahead of me knowing that God is going to look after me. God is going to provide for me. God is going to open up the doors that I need and that, uh, and that I desire. That's a whole different way of approaching life. And yet, over and over again, the Scriptures make it clear that if we live this way, as we trust God, then He will open up those doors. He will provide. He'll bring opportunity. He'll bring promotion. He'll bring blessing into our world because our trust is in Him. A transformed person thinks about others 
before themselves. And the last one, a transformed person gives freely. As our mind is transformed, we begin to see and to act with a kingdom perspective. And if you read Matthew, particularly the uh, Sermon on the Mount, which you've probably heard of, it's in Matthew chapter 6. I'll just read you one passage. It's so counterintuitive. It's so, it's so radical in its approach when it comes to the kingdom perspective and the kingdom approach to the way the world approaches things, the way we're taught you know, just by our culture and the society that we live in, how you succeed in life, what success is. It says this, Matthew 6, 30 to 34. If, if God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never, ever seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you and do his best for you? Verse 31 says, what I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way He works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how He works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. Oh God. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Oh, how powerful is that? I mean, if we could live that, unbelievable. This is Jesus talking. He's saying when we're transformed in our heart and in our spirit, what happens is we don't get anxious, worried, concerned about all the things that are happening every day. And that doesn't mean that we don't think about them, but they're not overpowering us with anxiety, with concern, with fear about the future, about our getting a home or our mortgage, about our job, our career, our business. Yes, we work hard. Yes, we focus. Yes, we set goals. Yes, we do all those things. And yet in the midst of it, we're going, you know what, God, my trust is in you. My hope is in you. And I'm not going to get worried about it. I'm not going to get anxious about it. I'm going to cast my cares and concerns upon you. And I'm going to live this day for you. I'm going to let your spirit transform me. And I know that as I do that each day, things are going to work out. It's so easy to say, so hard to do. It takes a decision every single day to go, you know what? I'm not going to get anxious. I'm not going to get worried. Lord, you are going to provide. If you look after the wildflowers, then you're going to look after me. If you look after the lilies, which the King James Version says, then you're going to look after me. Everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to work out. All things are working together for good. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the times come. Thank you, Jesus. That's a message we all need to hear. Particularly if you're in sales and are getting towards the end of the month. <laughs> and you're short on your budget. <laughs> But there's so many opportunities for us to get anxious. There's so many opportunities for us to be fearful. So many things that can come and go in our world. Uh, 
And we get worried about so many things. But it's really important. And obviously for Nick and I, particularly this week with her dad's situation and, you know, almost passing away. And I'm sure many of you have also been in similar situations or have had loved ones pass away. Those moments, they clarify life for you and they also bring things into perspective. What's important? What's really valuable? Where should I really be investing my time? Everything's important. Yes, we've got to work and we've got to... But are we allowing Jesus Christ to transform our heart so that the important people in our world and also the relationships, which are the most valuable thing, are whole or being healed or being strengthened? that we understand what's truly valuable in life. And that's what Jesus does. He helps us say, look, you're worried about so many things. I'm going to look after all of that stuff. I want you to focus on the important things. I want you to focus on loving me, on loving people, spreading good news, being a positive influence, bringing the love that has transformed your life into the lives of others, being light in a dark world, being salt in a tasteless world and I'm going to work everything else out for you. It's all going to work out for good. So when you close your eyes here this morning, I just want to allow the Holy Spirit to come upon us right now to again refresh our heart, refresh our perspective. Make sure that we are reaching out and striving for the most important things. adding value to those around us. Jesus, we love you. Thank you, Lord, that you are transforming our life. No matter how long, maybe we recently gave our life to Christ or maybe we've been following Him a long time. but that we continually reach out, open up our heart to Him and let that transforming grace continue to do its work, continue to shape our world, our heart, so that we're more and more transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I've got a long way to go (laughs) before I'm like the Jesus that I read about in the Scriptures. And so I need the grace of God. I need... His work continually shaping, molding my world, my life. Jesus, we thank you. Why don't we all stand?